many Thank years. Yeah. Praise God. So Take your time, Bill. Okay. Not minutes. used to this, so excuse me, but it's great to be with you, and I, I thank you for this opportunity to share around the table. And I just want to, uh, my, my theme has been so much of what's already been said, which is thankfulness, and I just want to encourage us that we've come here with a thankful heart today, and that's how we should always come before the Lord to the church. We come with a thankful heart, and then we will get the blessing. So have you come with a thankful heart today for what the Lord Jesus has done for you that we can honor our living God? There's a thing, most of the major Hebrew prayers start with the words blessed in Hebrew, but I'll do it in English so you understand. Blessed are you, O our Lord, our God, who? And then you just bless the Lord for what he has done for you. Bless the Lord because he's given us breath in our lungs. He's given us food on the table. He's given us children. He's given us a beautiful wife or a husband. But we've just got to be blessing the Lord in everything we do. And we can learn so much from just looking at what those people have been doing through thousands of years. And it's, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless your holy name. And I just want to encourage you to be a blesser and come and enjoy the Lord who brings light and life into our lives. He brings us food and drink. He brings us so many blessings. Have we come this morning with that thankful heart attitude? Have we entered his courts with praise, thanksgiving and praise? And that's what we've come to do. Every Sunday we should come here not to be getters, but to be givers, to give to God first, but then to give to each other. We're, we're brothers and sisters and family, so we just want to give. So I, I just want to encourage you to be a rejoicer in the Lord and, and be a thankful heart. And I know that I've seen it from, radiate from this platform every time we come here. It's, it's an amazing. So I just, that's why I just wanted to express that thankfulness um, that we should come always before the Lord with thankfulness in our heart. Um, and really, I just want to now just go on to, um, we're coming round the table, we're thankful for what Jesus has done. So I just, this is very familiar to you, um, Paul's words, for I've received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, amen, he broke it and said, take, eat this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So that's not just here this morning. That's in our homes daily. Thank the Lord for all that he puts on our plate for his love and care for us in everything he has done. And so if the brothers could just come forward, um, there's, there's an amazing little couple of, a benediction almost that I'd like to read to you that is in the book of Jude, and I'm sure you're familiar with it. The last two verses of the book of Jude, not probably the most read book of the New Testament, but they're so beautiful. And it says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Saviour, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Amen. So let's take the, the evidence together.
in a thankful attitude to what Jesus has done for us. And I must just ask, Derek, I need your guidance as we... Yes. Yeah. Praise God. I, I would like to say this as the, as the men are taking out the emblems today. Mill hasn't been with us for the last month. And yet the theme that God has placed in his heart is a theme that has run for the last month. I know he don't, he don't buy any of my CDs, do you know? Um, no, they're not on my shopping list for okay. Christmas. Well, you might have to change that in the yeah, new year. They sound good. So I, I, I don't think he's heard what we've said. But you know, God spoke to his heart. And I find when you hear repetitious in our life that God's trying to get us a message. And everything that he said this morning, I say amen to. So this is our opportunity, you and I, as a church. This table is presented before us. It says it's carved in the wood in the front in remembrance of me. Not in remembrance of Bill or the pastor or anything else. It's done in remembrance of him. Who is he? His name is Jesus. And he was willing to go to a tree and to die and to give his life so that you and I, we may have eternal life. So as you partake this morning of the table, and as you take the bread, and as you take the wine, I want you to remember the sacrifice that was made for you. And I pray this morning that if you need a healing in your body, you ask the Lord, you speak to the Lord. This, if you've asked Jesus into your heart and life, this is an open table for all of us to enjoy together as we come together as one, as a family, as individuals, as we come together to remember that wonderful sacrifice that he made. So as Bill just gives us a little prayer, then we can partake together in Jesus' name. Lord our God, King of the universe, who brought bread from out of heaven, we thank you brought bread from out of the earth. We thank you that Jesus rose again that we might have life and we might have it victorious, we might have it in fullness. And Lord Jesus, I just pray in the, in the unity here, we will enjoy all that you have for us through what Jesus has done for us. Amen. Amen. So please take the bread. Lord Jesus, for your, your blood shed for us. Lord, that not only washes us clean, but makes us clean before the Father, our living God. We just thank you that the cost was so great, but you did it for each one of us here this day. In Jesus' name, amen.
Grace and peace to y'all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's been a while. It feels like it's been a while for me. Uh, I think I've been to church and goodness, maybe once in the past few months or so. It's been uh, it's been a nice little adventure uh, in the Cole household and all that's been going on. And uh, uh, I see a few. Welcome oh, back. Oh, thank you. Thank you, sir. Hey, I like that. I like that. I see. I see a lot of old faces. I see a lot of new faces as well. And if I, if I have not had a chance yet to meet you and greet you, my apologies. I, I look forward to that soon. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. Of Advent. I remember growing up as a kid seeing, and I didn't know that they were called Advent calendars, but I remember seeing them and knowing that they had bits of chocolate in them and stuff like that. I remember the Advent candles at our, at our church growing up. But what is Advent? What, what, does, what does Advent even mean? It's a noun. And it means, or it's defined as, the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. Some synonyms of Advent are arrival, appearance, emergence, materialization, occurrence, dawn, birth, rise, and development. Advent is also the first season of the Christian church year, leading up to Christmas and including the four preceding Sundays. In Christian theology, Advent means the coming or second coming of Jesus Christ. Our text this morning is going to be Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5 through 6. And starting with verse 5, we read, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. In this passage, we see a promise of a savior king. This passage was written, this is something that kind of blew me away a little bit. And this is not the only messianic prophecy in the Old Testament, but this particular one was written roughly 600 years before the birth of Jesus. A 600-year-old promise that was waiting to happen. But it did happen. God keeps all of his promises. All of them. What God has promised will come to pass, has come to pass, or is presently true right now. And that is awesome because I don't keep all my promises. I, I make promises and I break promises. I make promises to him, and I make promises to many. And I break promises left and right. He hasn't broken one. And that's good news for someone like me. That I have a God who loves me and has made certain promises to me. What are Jeremiah and the first hearers of this book that Jeremiah wrote? What are they thinking? 
The kingly line of David survives? And what about that future king's name? The name of the future king. We know that Jeremiah is referencing Jesus, but look at what the Holy Spirit inspired and gave Jeremiah to write. He says that this future king will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. That's new. That's a new concept. In comparison to every other religion in the world, this is a different Teaching. This is a different understanding of God. That the Lord is being our righteousness. That the Lord is our righteousness. Romans 10.4 says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Everyone means everyone who believes. 1 Corinthians 1.30, And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. Jesus is all of this for us. My favorite verse. Then it's a different sermon of why this is my favorite verse. Romans 4.5, And to the one who does not work, but believes... In the one who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. This concept, Jesus Christ, Son of God, God the Son, crucified for the forgiveness of sins, is what separates Christianity apart from every other religion and philosophy in this world. One of the easiest and quickest ways to make Christianity not Christianity is to consume it and offer it as a system of behavior modification and better moral living. Will better moral living happen? Will behavior modification happen? Sure, it'll look like this. You'll, you'll have great days and you'll have bad days. You'll have days where you feel saved and you'll have days where you do not feel saved. But see, that's the point. It's not about what you feel. It's about what you know. Independent of my feelings, Christ died for my sins. Independent of what kind of day I'm having. On a day that he had 2,000 years ago, he died for me. And that's what I hold on to. Feelings are important. important. Don't, I'm not saying feelings are important. But I'm saying it is good news to have something outside of me that saves me. Specifically, Jesus Christ. Every other religion offers behavior modification and better moral living. If the message can be replaced with just the names of God or, God, or, or gods, then what's the true difference of the religion? If I can give a message or if I can share a message or if I can preach a message and if I can easily exchange the name of Jesus, the name of God for whatever God you want to make up, you know, live right, do better, love this, do that, do this, do this, do this. What, what's the difference? And of course you ought to love your neighbor. Of course you ought to do, want to do good things. Of course you should want to serve each other and love each other and to do good works. You're, if, if you're hearing me saying that you're not supposed to do that, you're, you're not hearing the words. What separates Christianity apart from what we, man, have created for us? What separates it? What's the difference? What's the good news? What's the difference of Christianity? 
What is promised in Christianity, and specifically in this passage in Jeremiah, is not a formula for better living or how to become righteous or how to gain righteousness by progress in achieving goals via our good works. What is promised is the Lord will be our righteousness. That's the difference of Christianity. What God demands of us in His law, He gives us Freely as a gift of his grace in the gospel of Jesus Christ. All as a gift because he loves us. The other day I had some visitors at our house. They were missionaries of a different religion. They would, they would know who Jesus is. They would probably even invoke Jesus and say that they did follow Jesus. And just the little bit of study that I've learned, I know that it's not exactly the same. I admire their courage. I admire their conviction. I admire their willingness to do good works. I admire their desire to go to a complete stranger's house, knock on their door, and try to share with them what they think is good news. And so and I used to shut the door, run and hide <laughs> when, people, when people knock on the door because I don't know what they're selling, I don't know what they're doing, and I don't want to uh, get out of here. I don't want to be bothered. Don't tempt me, blah, blah, blah. You know, all this self-righteous feelings and thoughts. What if God sent them there? What? God, nothing shocks God. You can't catch God off guard. You can't, whoa, look, look who's at the Coles house. Quick, someone. He knows they went there. He knows if they go to your house. You never know what kind of divine appointment God might be setting up. Maybe not so much for you, but maybe someone who's at your door. And please hear me when I say this. I'm not, you're not trying to win an argument. You're trying to win people. That's a big difference. If you have the option of being right or being kind, go with kind. And so they kind of gave me their spiel, uh, and they had a list of questions, five questions, and which one jumped out at me as some, something I was interested in. And there was one, where am I going to go when I die? I thought, that one, because all the rest is fine and dandy, but if I don't know that, then, then it's kind of you know, pointless, right? And so they asked me if I had any thoughts about that. And I said, well, yeah, and I knew that their system was built upon living a righteous life. Gaining righteousness by your works, by your deeds. I knew that that was in their system. I knew that they thought that the favor of God smiles upon them because of what they do for God. In the side trail, the favor of God is already coming down on you through Jesus Christ. It's one-way love because while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. Not while you were wanting him. But when you didn't want him, when I didn't want him, he still did it anyway. Why? Because he loves you. He would die to have you. He'd, he did die to have you. And so I, I, I picked that question. They asked me what I thought about it. And I said, well, see, you see, God, you know, God's word, and they, they, they agree. They say that they follow the Bible. And I said, well, God's word says, even Jesus said, be perfect like your father in heaven is perfect. I can't do that. So already from the start, I'm toast. So, yeah, I, I, I want to know what I need to do to, 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 to where am I going after I die. And one was ready to engage me a little bit on this. And the other two I could tell were starting to lean in a little bit closer. 
And I said, well, see, here's the thing when it comes to my faith and what I believe. You see, don't dilute that demand. Don't dilute that command of law. Be perfect like your Father in heaven is perfect. That's the law. That's what you have to do. That's what you must do. And where we fail is when we think, oh, time to get to work. Time to do it. No, when we hear that our position should be, have mercy, have mercy, be perfect. I can't be perfect. I'm not perfect. Be perfect like God is perfect. But see, that's the standard. That's righteousness. And when you water it down to make you feel better about doing it, you're missing the demand. Let the law do its work. It is meant to slay and kill the ungodly. That's its job. The law's job is not to save you. It doesn't have that, that kind of power. It is good. The law is very good. I am not. That's the problem. That's the bad news. And so I'm telling this, all, this, all this to them, and I said, but see, here's the, the good news is, is that if God were pleased with progress, he would have given us a goal. But because God is only pleased with perfection, he gave us a substitute. And that substitute's name is Jesus Christ. He took my crown of thorns and placed them on his head on the cross, and he exchanged with me his crown of righteousness and placed it on my head. The great exchange. Because of something I did? No, no, no. 100% everything that Jesus did as a gift freely. So therefore, I know where I'm going when I die. Because I'm holding on to his promise. Where he says, where he is, I will be also. That he will never leave me or forsake me. That he has taken my sins and he has separated them as far as the east is from the west. That in him, I am counted righteousness, righteous. A righteousness outside of me, covered by his very blood, the blood of God. What more could I offer that is more valuable than the blood of God? But that's what he loves to pour out on me and on you. So that question pointed to a second advent. Matthew 24, verse 36 through 44. But coming that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know of what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. If Jesus came back today, would you be ready? Are you ready? Just as God keeps his promises of Christ's first coming, he keeps all of his promises. 
Here are some of his promises that I love. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Baptism, which corresponded to this, now saves you, not as removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Another promise. I am with you always, even until the end of the age. I will never leave you or forsake you. Where I am, you will be also. As I'm winding things down, I want to be very clear. I'm not asking you to make a decision. That's way above my pay grade. I am proclaiming something to you. I'm not asking you to make a decision for Jesus. I'm telling you that Jesus made a decision for you. I'm not asking you to give your life for Jesus. I am telling you that Jesus gave his life for you. I'm not asking you to give your heart to Jesus. I am telling you that Jesus gave his heart to you. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of Jesus Christ. I must have confidence that the Holy Spirit will take the word that is being given and will cut down the self-righteous and will revive the broken in heart. I am not trying to scare you into doubting if you will be ready for the advent to come when Jesus returns. I am telling you, baptized child of God, you are ready according to the promises that he has made to you. They used to scare me to death growing up as a kid. When I, when I, when I had faith in Jesus Christ, are you going to be ready? Are you going to be ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? And I started thinking about all the things that I needed to start doing so that I would be ready. Oh, I need to start, oh, I need to start, you know, knocking on every door and telling everybody, yes, I should. But not for, to gain something. Not to gain something I already have in my pocket. Not something that God has already gladly given me. Redemption, salvation, reconciliation with him. Justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. So see, I'm free. No, I, I'm free. I'm free to love my neighbor. I'm free to do, to do what God has called me to do. There's no fear in Jesus Christ. So, so I want to encourage you this morning, whenever you hear questions of, are you ready, are you ready? The answer is, yep, I'm a baptized child of God. And Jesus says that that... He promised that I've been buried with him and that I will be raised with him because of that. Are you hoping in an act? No, 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 no. Because see, God does the baptizing. When there's water and there's word, who's doing the baptizing? God himself. God's doing it. And I, I look to his promises. Just like the other promise. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your whole household. Okay. You're not baptized? Talk to Pastor D afterwards. Or to me. Or to, or to Pastor John. Or to any, uh, anybody else in here that you feel comfortable with. And let him, let him or one of us know that you want to be. 
Because, as as you just read earlier, it is for a good conscience before God. And it is God's gift to you. So in those days when you don't feel saved, on those days where I just had a bad experience in traffic, and what came out of my mouth was not very sanctified, or what came, okay, oh, oh, I don't say things. Okay, what came when your head was not sanctified? Eh, the law will get you, even when you think it won't. In those moments, I'm reminded I'm a baptized child of God. And there are certain promises that come with that. Fellow sinner, have you sinned? Blown it big time? Need mercy? And are turning to Christ and his death and resurrection for you? That on behalf of and by the command of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven of all of your sins. In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Go in peace. And as the men team comes forward, I want to say a blessing on everyone in here in this room. The Lord, now I'm not saying may, I like this different translation because it's a promise. It just, to me, I like this interpretation better. The Lord will bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Thank you all.